0: Scary Mysteries Twisted News Cold Case of Janie Landers Solved and Disappearance of Sabrina Eisenberg. Tales of Hauntings, Murders, and Scary Mysteries. Every week, Twisted News dives into two unique yet equally shocking cases currently happening in our world. For this week, we'll explore the disturbing revelations surrounding the murder of Janie Landers, as well as the unexplained disappearance of a baby in Florida. Get ready for Scary Mysteries, Twisted News. Number 1. Cold Case of Janie Lander Solved It's scary to know that just about one-third of all murders committed in the United States never get solved. This is why crimes of this nature often haunt families and communities, as the thought that the killer could still be out there can keep you up at night. Back in March of 1979, news broke out about the brutal murder of an 18-year-old woman named Janie Landers. Landers at the time was a resident at Fairview Training Center in Salem, Oregon, a state facility designed to house people with severe mental disabilities. Although she was an adult, her record showed that she had the mental acuity of an 8-year-old and so she acted as much. This meant that the patient like most residents of the facility, needed constant supervision. However, for still unknown reasons, the young woman was reported missing on March 9th and no one knew where she went. Faculty assumed that Janie must have voluntarily walked out as there were some residents who had done that before. Nevertheless, the police were notified, but their investigation yielded no leads. Then, five days later, Janie's body was found in a remote field near Silver Falls, a state park located near Silverton, which is 20 miles away from Salem. The victim was found with deep stab wounds in her neck and her head severely bashed in. Workers and friends at the facility recalled Janie as someone who was unexpectedly strong and feisty, and this was confirmed by the multiple defensive wounds found on her arms, hands, and legs. The autopsy said blunt force trauma was the cause of the girl's death and that the victim was not sexually assaulted. Members of the Oregon State Police escalated their investigation to capture the perpetrator. They interviewed numerous witnesses and some of them said that she had gotten into a stranger's car on the day of her disappearance. Authorities initially determined that she took a ride from someone who she might have known and that this same person killed her in a fit of rage. Despite this theory, though, police couldn't find a suspect or any physical evidence that could help shed light on this brutal kidnapping-turned-murder case. The investigation turned cold, decades passed, and the answer as to who murdered the girl has been left up in the air. Over the years, there were attempts made by several detectives to revisit the case, but just like how it ended before, none of them could come up with any new evidence. All the while, the victim's sister, Joyce Hooper, who was 13 years old when the tragedy occurred, remained steadfast, never giving up in her belief that the case could be solved. Prosecutors handling the case said that the woman, who was now in her 50s, would constantly urge local investigators to solve the crime. And then, in March of 2015, on the 36-year anniversary of Janie's murder, a newly pledged Oregon State Police Officer Detective Steve Hinkle decided to pull out the cold case file. It was previously determined that the attacker stabbed the victim using a knife that lacked a handle, and it's likely that the suspect had injured himself in the process. This overlooked detail led the detective to collaborate with forensic scientists to re-examine the blood found on Janie's shirt. They attempted to isolate the killer's DNA, and with more improved forensic technologies and updated forensic database, Hinkle's theory came up with a strong result. One year after the case was reopened, the Oregon Police Crime Lab confirmed a DNA match of a male suspect identified as Gerald Dunlap. Interestingly, this individual had never been a person of interest during the previous investigation. At the time of the murder, The man had reportedly worked at Fairview State Facility, where he was a janitor working in the laundry room. Dunlap had a decent rap sheet on him and was accused and convicted on several rape charges between the 1960s and 1990s. He was also fired from Fairview in 1983 for inappropriate behavior towards a woman. Then in 1996, he was convicted yet again with a sexual offense this time committed against a young female relative. As part of the sentencing protocol, his DNA had to be included in the National Database of Sex Offenders, which explains the DNA matchup in the recent investigation. Moreover, his photo was shown to witnesses who confirmed that it was him who they saw with the victim before she vanished. It was found out later that Dunlap had died in 2002 while serving out a prison sentence, it was a bittersweet discovery, especially for the Landers family, knowing that the man could no longer be brought to justice for Janie's murder. But they were, however, consoled with the fact that the case was finally closed beyond a reasonable doubt. Number 2. The Disappearance of Sabrina Eisenberg A handful of investigations involving the disappearances of young children have drawn widespread media attention. Eaton Pats, Madeline McCain, and Lisa Irwin, just to name a few, are among these where the individual vanished without a trace. And Sabrina Eisenberg is another one of these cases that you may not have heard about just yet. On the early morning of November 24, 1997, Marlene Eisenberg woke up at home in Valrico, Florida. She went into the kitchen and noticed that the laundry room door to the garage was open. Something then prompted her to check on her children, William, who was eight at the time, Monica, who was four, and Sabrina, who was just five months old. Everyone seemed fine, but panic set in as she and her husband Steve discovered that the infant was missing from her crib. They immediately called 911 while everyone began to search the house. Panic then grew into terror when they came to the realization that Sabrina may have been kidnapped. Soon after, the whole neighborhood jumped in on the search efforts. Meanwhile, investigators learned that the family had left their garage door open overnight and the Tampa police couldn't find any sign of forced entry onto the property. Even after an exhaustive search effort and questioning of many people, they couldn't find any new leads or witnesses that could help crack the case. It was at that point when the investigation hit a wall that all the attention began to shift towards the Eisenbergs themselves as possibly being responsible. Police began to recall the circumstances on the day the disappearance was reported. The officer, who was the first to respond to the distress call, remembered that the mother and father did not appear upset in a way that one would expect when a parent had just lost their child. And when Marlene and Steve spoke at a press conference to make a plea for their baby's return, some felt the couple came off as cold and detached. There was even footage that showed the Eisenbergs smiling as they went outside their house, which was purportedly taken after the supposed abduction. Things became worse when the authorities managed to access a homemade video showing Sabrina taken just days before she vanished. The detectives working on the case noticed some very visible bruises on her face and they could also see a large patch of hair missing from the little one's head. As suspicions of their involvement grew, the couple agreed to undergo a polygraph test. While Steve passed his, Marlene's result proved to be inconclusive, and then on the second attempt, she failed. In her defense, the mother said that on the second questioning, the police had become more aggressive and their questions more leading. The family then hired a well-known and successful criminal defense attorney, Barry Cohen, to help them out. This temporarily ended the police's apparent persecution of the parents. Finally, two years later, though, in November of 1999, authorities charged the couple with conspiracy, lying to law enforcement, and giving false information about Sabrina's disappearance. That very indictment, however, revealed some shady details about the prosecution. As it turned out, they had bugged the Eisenbergs' home for three months after the incident. They admitted to having recorded private conversations between members of the family, most particularly with the husband and wife. The record showed some very unsettling discussions between the two. For instance, when Marlene said the following, The baby's dead and buried. It was found dead because you did it. And, The baby's dead no matter what you say. You just did it. Or Steve, who apparently made the following statements, They don't know the truth, right? As unnerving as these recordings could be, in February of 2001, a federal judge declared those tapes inadmissible in court considering the questionable way in which the evidence was collected. Moreover, The records appeared to be too garbled, making them difficult to understand. And so, in February of 2004, the office of the U.S. attorney ordered the state of Florida to reimburse the Eisenbergs for $1.5 million in defense fees. As this legal debacle occurred, the family had left Florida and moved to Maryland to start a new life. The last big break in the disappearance case came through in 2008. Dennis Byron, a police informant, confessed that his cellmate, Scott Overbeck, had told him that he had worked with the Eisenbergs in their plan to dispose of Sabrina's body. The inmate said that the couple told him to chop the baby into pieces and dump the remains into crab traps in the waters off of Tampa Bay. A thorough investigation was made on the statements, but they turned out to be nothing but an unsubstantiated story. As of today, the Eisenbergs are working as real estate agents. In their new house in Maryland, they keep an entire room vacant just in case their child ever returns home one day. Meanwhile, the family has been receiving multiple updates from the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children concerning claims of certain individuals claiming to be their missing daughter. Most recently, there were two women who underwent DNA testing for the purpose of verifying their claims, The family, as well as law enforcement agencies directly concerned with the case, are now waiting for those results. So there were two of the most chilling and intriguing stories around. The world can be a crazy place, and Twisted News is always sure to show you why. Please remember to subscribe to our channel if you liked watching this video. We have new ones coming out every Wednesday and Saturday for you guys to check out. Thanks for tuning in, and I'll see you soon.